Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning again. It's hour two of Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thank you so much for including me in your day. Um, if you missed the first hour, really encourage you to um, to listen to the conversation that we had with Dave Buring about discipleship and courage, in, in, including the encouragement of our pastors during this Pastor Appreciation Month. If you haven't done so already, we'd love to know your pastor's name. Um, we'd love to send them a note of encouragement and a gift here from Faith Radio And so you can um, share that information with us at MyFaithRadio.com. If you are a pastor, yep, it's okay. It's okay to go ahead and tell us who you are. We we would love to hear from you as well. We want to encourage you. Um, We want to bless you. And so let us know that you're out there and you're listening, MyFaithRadio.com. When when I survey the headline news in preparation for our conversations each and every morning, I just recognize the gravity of what's going on out there. And sometimes we want to avert our eyes and act as if um, we can we can just go about our lives and our day and the concerns you know of our of what's in our hands or within our reach or under our stewardship as if the rest of it doesn't really matter like and sometimes we do that because what's happening around the world is so heavy and so devastating to think about um, that we just recognize we're too small for it like I'm just I don't have enough capacity to bear the weight of all of that. I totally understand that. Um, But God does have the capacity, and he is concerned about every person everywhere. And so we lift up what's happening around the world, recognizing that God's got the whole world in his hands and that no person in any place is outside of God's genuine concern and care, that he made each one and each one is precious in his sight. So keep that in mind as we turn to the international headlines this morning and in what I like to call the what in the world is going on in the world um, segment of the show. So first up, China's Communist Party is meeting right now. It's a week-long Congress during which, um, well, the world is promised, let's say, more of the same, including the reappointment of Xi Jinping as the leader. That'll be a third five-year term for, you know, the autocratic Xi um, we frequently discuss uh, here on Mornings with Carmen things that have happened during Xi's first 10 years in office. He has reoriented China both domestically and internationally toward authoritarianism and cultural dominance, right? He wants to see all the world uh, become like China. Uh, and so in China, people experience the state's in- increased control over all sectors of their life. China has become a surveillance state under the leadership of Xi Jinping. Um, the power of the state is regularly used against its own people. You you might think here about the Uyghurs. You might think here about um, Hong Kong. You might think here um, about the persecution of Christians and the tearing down of churches. On and on and on and on and on. Anyone who tries to dissent in any way against Xi's communist regime is um, silenced, stifled, um, imprisoned, or worse. 
So he, uh, China is asserting itself internationally through what we call the Belt and Road Initiative, um, the suppression of freedom in Hong Kong, aggressive building in the South China Sea, international support of America's enemies. Uh, the list is pretty long. Um, Burkina Faso has experienced its second military coup of this calendar year. This has been a story unfolding for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I think that we can say that uh, process has now resulted in the meeting of 300 military, political, and civilian leaders on Friday, during which Captain Ibrahim Torore was officially designated the country's transitional president. He is the member of the military who led the military coup a couple of weeks ago. Um, They say they are committed to a return to constitutional order, but they have been suffering now for years amidst Islamist insurgency um, that's really sweeping across West Africa. So prayers are rising there as well. Holding our attention in Africa for just a moment, more than 600 people have been killed in the worst flooding Nigeria has seen in a decade. Um, And so we're going to be lifting up the people of Nigeria today, even as we continue to pray for the people of Pakistan. Um, A third of that country um, continues to be... I mean, suffering uh, deeply in a devastating way from, you know, flooding that covered more than a third of the nation just weeks ago. All right, we're going to pivot our attention to uh, to Europe and specifically to Ukraine. Mindy Bells is going to join us. We're going to not only look at what's happening in Ukraine, but events in Iran over the weekend, uh, now in the fifth week of protest there following uh, the death of Masa Amini while in custody of the morality police. So let's take a look at what's going on around the world. Mindy Bells is going to help us see what's happening and see it through the lens of our Christian worldview. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Mindy Bells is joining us. Uh, she posts on Substack, so you can follow her, mindybells.substack.com. Uh, take us on a globe trot, Mindy. Good morning. Good morning, Carmen. A lot happening in the world. I mean, we've all been focusing on the war in Ukraine, and, and that continues to um, bring us a lot of news every day. And uh, and you mentioned also the situation in Iran continues to unfold. Um, watching Africa, as you mentioned, and um, also China and the, the Far East. Hmm. Let's start with um, Ukraine. I understand that explosions have been rocking the nation's capital of Kiev um, today on this Monday, um, being described as waves of explosive laden. They call them suicide drones, but they're unmanned. So I'm not sure what's dying in a suicide attack other than the people being targeted. Um, so talk with us about um, what's going on in Russia's ongoing war on Ukraine. Right. These these kamikaze drones um, are have been hitting civilian targets, including an apartment building. There were five uh, confirmed overnight in the Kiev area. And, um, it, you know, it's it's notable. I mean, the civilian casualties, we know of at least three and and they are a, a, a couple and the woman was six months pregnant. Uh, so a couple and her unborn baby. And um, I, I, I think that what we've seen is just cycle after cycle of this kind of uh, attack on civilians only seems to galvanize the Ukrainians. And I think it's really important to pull back and look at the contrast that we're seeing here that this 
Russian army that we have believed to be one of the largest and, and best trained in the world, which clearly it's not, um, is, is just doing these, these uh, sporadic attacks that are, that seem um, not to be well-planned, not to be tightly controlled. And in, in contrast to Ukraine, which we saw a week ago, um, carry out a very tightly controlled and very complex attack on the, the main bridge that leads into Crimea. So um, the Ukrainian army continues to, to advance in its warfighting capability, which is a remarkable story. And um, yet, you know, we can't underestimate the foe that they face. I think what we'll be looking for uh, over the coming days is uh, the commitment with these kamikaze drone attacks NATO uh, has committed to providing some kind of missile defense system um, for Ukraine. That's a very complex percent. A missile defense system requires lots of different parts and, and there are parts that have already been pledged coming from Germany, coming from Spain, uh, coming from uh, Britain. And we'll see if that comes together in a way that is actually able to thwart these kinds of attacks. Mm. Um, we are reading this morning in the Moscow Times that Russia has closed seven areas of the Barents Sea in order to conduct exercises um, related to nuclear, um, you know, nuclear threats, and nuclear war. Also reading that a pastor and his wife in Mariupol have been, um, I don't even know what the word is here, kidnapped, imprisoned, mm-hmm. um, taken away, yeah. disappeared. Um, talk with us about yeah. Talk with us about what's going on. Um, you know, just in terms of the assault on churches as well. I don't think we want to overlook that that, that throughout this, I mean, the, the churches as you, as you and I have often discussed are sort of a leading indicator of what the intentions of an attacking uh, force like like Russia in this case is up to, and what they want to do is is, is cleanse Ukraine of um, anyone who does not toe the line for um, Russia. And we see that in the way that they have attacked the Protestant and non-Russian aligned churches in Ukraine. And so this uh, pastor and his wife, they were abducted actually in September. Um, People were in touch with them as they were taken to the police station. And then they were actually, um, I believe, allowed to go back to their home. But then they were subsequently, they, as you say, they disappeared. And no one has heard from them since their church was closed and sealed. And, and what that has drawn attention to is just a large number of churches um, that in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine are being just closed up. People cannot attend. They cannot worship. And so this this clamp down on anyone being able to worship in a way that's outside the sphere of, of Russian influence. We also see this happening inside Russia. There was a priest who was um, who was jailed for opposing uh, the war in Ukraine, and, and numerous churches in Russia that, if they are not towing the line, are being shuttered. Um, so all in the context of, you know, clearly, I think that uh, Vladimir Putin is not giving up, even though he's making very little progress uh, and, and is resorting to more and more drastic measures, more and more measures that really target in um, widespread erratic ways, civilian populations. And um, so the pain is, is still potentially great that's ahead. 
And I think that, you know, as you allude to the threat of nuclear attack is clearly there. It's very hard to see how it works to Vladimir Putin's advantage to uh, launch one, even on a small scale. I mean, I believe that the response and uh, the United States and NATO allies have communicated this clearly would be catastrophic for Russia. So I, I, I just, it's hard to see that we're going to step into that. But, but Vladimir Putin is clearly an unpredictable um, prosecutor of war. We're going to continue our conversation with Mindy Bells in just a moment. We're going to pivot to Iran, um, and we're going to survey some events from over the weekend, including um, a a major fire that erupted uh, in uh, in a prison there where, where we know Christians um, are held. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here, and we all need prayer. And, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at MyFaithRadio.com and then be assured of our prayers for you in the spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And he's given us new Continuing our conversation with Mindy Bells, you could follow her Substack and know what's going on around the world on a continuing basis, mindybells.substack.com. Mindy, let's um, let's pivot our attention to Iran, certainly uh, continuing to pray for the people of Iran as mass demonstrations continue into a fifth week following the death of, um, of Masa Amini, who died in the custody of the morality police for failure to properly wear the head covering that's required um, there, the hajib. Um, talk with us about what's uh, what's happening in Iran and what we learned over the weekend about this terrible fire at a prison there. Well, it, it, in the, the fire erupted in the context of these massive protests, and um, they have continued to be strong five weeks in, and they involve not only women. We've seen these um, striking images of women not only taking their hijab, their head covering off, but also cutting their hair, which is also forbidden under the, uh, the Islamic Republic laws there. And the, as the protests have continued to mount and, and, and gain strength in, in spite of crackdowns and you know several hundred people who've been killed in the protests, uh, this fire erupted on Saturday at Evan Prison. Evan Prison is actually within the metropolitan area of Tehran. But it sits kind of on the outskirts. Um, it is. It was recently revamped so that it could hold even more political prisoners. It's estimated to hold fifteen thousand political mm-hmm. prisoners, and these include people like many of the Christians. If you think of Yusuf Nader Khani, um, it's unclear to me whether he's actually there now. He was there. He was on a hunger strike earlier this year. There were rumors that he had been moved. Um, I just have not been able to to hear word of of his how he's doing. But the conditions in the prison 
Uh, it's, it's often called a torture factory. There are hundreds of solitary confinement cells there. Uh, there are shadow wards that are run by the intelligence ministry and the Islamic Republic and Guard Corps, um, which is the entity that's responsible for often raiding these churches um, and, and imprisoning people who are seen to be enemies of the state. So a lot of the people who we would be sort of agitating for for their release because they're unlawfully held, um, the conduct uh, is just unspeakable, that the uh, circumstances that they're put in. And um, we don't know really what's happened. I mean, uh, the images show just a massive fire. There was not a quick response to it, so it burned for quite a while. Um, earlier today, uh, state media in Iran was saying that there were 40 people killed, and they corrected that and said there were only four people killed. We just don't know if that number is correct or not. So really watching there to um, what we might be able to learn about the uh, dozens of, of Christians who are being held there, others held unlawfully, Armenians, uh, Baha'is, um, and then also at least two Iranian Americans who uh, in effect have been held hostage. There have been discussions ongoing with the State Department for their release. Uh, and and t- those two are also in the prison. Mm. Talk with us. Um, let's uh, let's pivot quickly here um, and and have a conversation about Haiti. Um, things have really both escalated and deteriorated in recent uh, days and weeks. I keep thinking that Haiti can't get worse, mm. and then it does. And um, so we have seen this gang warfare in Port-au-Prince, the capital, now for months. Um, One of the things that is really unfortunate about the situation is that it has forced out um, Western uh, development groups, relief groups that have worked there, uh, forced them to, you know, a number that I know who work in hospitals and are involved in food ministries there have had to pull up and leave. And so not only are Haitians being denied the help that they need right now, um, but but we don't know as much about what's going on and, and what day-to-day life is there. I have seen images of just ongoing like fires through the gang violence that's happening in the city. And the most significant thing, though, is that the, this these rival gangs have succeeded in shutting down at least one port. And this is a major port where food and other supplies are, are delivered. And so you basically have the gang's holding uh, Haitians by the throat. And, and we are, are facing a real famine situation there. The mm-hmm. UN issued a famine warning. Um, we know that uh, the majority of people in Haiti right now do not have enough to eat. And, and here we are. I mean, this is literally at our back door. You could get on a plane and fly to Haiti in, you know, under two hours from the United States. And um, to to think that uh, that this has just deteriorated to the point that it has, and and that its neighbors have seemed to be unable to find any way to rally and to um, to rectify the situation. I mean, it's part of an ongoing uh, destabilized political, uh, I would say, just um, um, storm in in Haiti. Uh, I. The UN is now considering a rapid reactionary force. It seems like too little too late to me, but um, uh, this has been done before and did bring order to Haiti streets and try to help 
prop up some of the um, structures of government so that they could hold elections again. But Haiti needs much more than that. And um, and I, I, I think that we want to be watching again for just the literal life and death situation that many Haitians face right now. Yeah, we're talking about a country that's only 735 miles from the United States. Um, right. And so, I mean, yeah, we're... Um, Will we will we allow um, people who are like geographically this close to us to die in what um, looks to be, I mean, a, you know, just a potentially massive famine? And so many of us are related to ministries in one way or another that are active uh, in Haiti, um, but most of which are not able to operate currently because of um, gang rule, which is now in place um, throughout Haiti. People restricted in many, many ways, including um, access to not only food, but fuel as well. Um, just just a, a crisis situation um, that is, it's pretty mind-boggling, Mindy. And we're, and, and yes, like you, we think to ourselves, it can't possibly get any worse, and then it does. Um, thank you so much for helping us see what's happening around the world and um, keep our finger on the pulse of, of, of these concerns and issues. I know you're praying with us. We're certainly praying for you as you um, as you continue to have conversations and cultivate relationships that enable us to know what's happening and then to um, be able to engage from a Christian worldview. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Carmen. Absolutely. That's Mindy Bells. You can find her Globetrot uh, blog um, at, at on her Substack. MindyBells.substack.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Hey, do you have um, kids or grandkids? Have you thought about like raising children? Okay, have you thought about instead raising adults? Like, we're not raising children as parents or grandparents or as Sunday school teachers. Um, we're raising adults. So what does it look like for us to um, equip children to be resilient? I mean, kids have all kinds of experiences of disappointment and stress and challenges. Um, they also have positive experiences. And so how do we help children cultivate resilience across all uh, areas of life to develop really the character ap- attribute of resilience in order that they can um, walk into a future filled with hope and do so um, responding appropriately and even positively when bad things happen. That is the conversation we're going to have next with Dr. Kathy Cook. Uh, she is founder of Celebrate Kids Incorporated, um, and we're going to talk with her about her newest book, which is Um, you know, it's about raising resilient kids. So what is a resilient kid? What is resilience? And how do we raise them? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Kathy Cook is with us today. She's the founder of Celebrate Kids Incorporated. You can find her and resources at CelebrateKids.com. She joins us today to talk specifically about her newest book, Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. Kathy, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. 
Well, I'm happy to be here, Carmen. Thank you. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you. Um, What is resilience and why does it matter? Yeah, that's a great question to start with. Um, Resilience is not bubble wrapping your children. Resilience is allowing children to readily recover from disappointment, discouragement, frustration, failure on their own. It's a choice to stand back up after being knocked down. And then it becomes an ability the more that somebody uses it. And then it becomes a part of your character. And it's critically important because without being able to bounce back when you have been defeated, you won't grow and you won't become the person that God might have wanted you to be when he chose to create you. So I um, used to do a talk with, when I was in youth ministry, um, and, and my, my objects that I had in my hand were a tennis ball and an egg. And that was my resilience conversation, although I'd never used that word because I'm not sure at the time I knew to use the word. But it was this conversation about, you know, are you going to be a tennis ball or are you going to be an egg? I mean, and, and then I would, you know, drop both on the floor. And right, <laughs> one bounces back and the other one does not. So talk with us about um, the, the core things that a child needs to build resilience. Because you talk about this being a process. This, this happens over time. It does process over time. Uh, first, let me say that is a brilliant example, though. The tennis ball and the egg, I might use that. You and can have it. Right. It's, it's yours. Okay, you know, you're right that the word resilience was, probably wasn't, you know, in the vogue, you know, back in the day. But right now, you know, it certainly is. I started thinking about this during the COVID Valley when I saw children being defined by what they had lost. And I never want children to be, defi- be defined by what they do not have. I want them to be defined by what they do have and who they are. So that was kind of the impetus for that. They have to have security. Who can I trust? They have to have trustworthy people who will, you know, be by their side and will back off when they know that's the right thing to do. They need to know who they are. They need to know that they're musically gifted, that they're mathematically inclined, that they're good brothers and good little sisters. They need to know who they are so that they can um, appropriately, you know, become that even more. They have to have strong belonging. If they don't have trustworthiness and security and belonging, then nothing really matters. So do they have a mom and a dad and a stepmom and a sister and a pastor and, you know, friends and, and classmates who are going to, you know, stand with them and help them stand back up if something has gone wrong? They have to have purpose. Why am I alive? You know, if I don't know why I exist, then I can be mediocre and no one is hurt by that. But if I understand that I was created on purpose, with purpose, for purpose, and there's something about me that God intends to use for his kingdom, then I will not succumb to the weakness, and I will want to stand back up and walk out of the valley and keep learning so that I can become a more complete person. And then all of that results in competence, being able to do things well that I need to be able to do. And obviously, you know, without security and a positive identity and healthy belonging and a purpose to live and the ability to bounce back up when I've been defeated, if none of that is in place, then I will not develop the competence that I need in order to contribute to the culture. And that discourages kids because they already see what's wrong and they already want to speak life into the mess. Um, You use the word um, competence. I think that's really important. I think that it's not just being competent, but actually feeling competent. And I think Mm -hmm. those are, you know, like, you know, it's one thing to like test well. It's another thing to like feel like you're good at doing things and that you have the capacity to learn to do new things. Um, a lot of that either happens or doesn't happen based on what's demonstrated to them. Talk about the importance of adults in the lives of children in terms of cultivating resilience. 
I appreciate that question. Right. If adults throw temper tantrums, you know, and, and we can, they look different from a little child's temper tantrum. But if adults, you know, succumb to the negativity, if all our children hear us do is complain about our boss or complain about a friend and they don't see us working to, you know, develop our part of the solution, then they might wonder why should they? If they see that adults, you know, give up and, you know, don't persevere to discover a talent, they maybe outsource everything rather than developing their own skill set, you know, then kids can decide, hey, I don't need to work either. And it becomes a real problem. If they, if they see their, their parents not being teachable, if they see that a parent, you know, doesn't respond well to correction from a pastor, just as an example, if they see that, you know, a, a mom and a dad are arguing and they're not listening to each other and they don't seem to want to improve, then again, they can have that attitude that, well, if, if dad can't, then I can't because I'm a little kid. So moms and dads are really important. I do appreciate that question. And we're human. You know, we need to have grace and mercy toward ourselves. We're not perfect at this. But if somebody's listening and they recognize that they haven't really given their kids a good role model of uh, perseverance, then we can change that. Yeah, I, uh, I think there's so much there for each and every one of us um, who have influence in the life of a child. And it's not just limited to parents. Um, I, you know, I'm thinking here about the role that I have now, um, you know, to my, uh, you know, in, my, in the life of my grandkids um, mm-hmm. I might have, you know, more time. <laughs> I am, might have more time and more flexibility and more resources to bring to bear um, in terms of the things that they need at this stage in their life um, mm-hmm. than I would have had 30 years ago, right? And so, right. Um, you know, if you're a grandparent, if you're an aunt, an uncle, um, you know, if you are a church member and you're you're a single adult, like you have um, the ability to influence uh, the life of children in your sphere of influence. And so we want you to um, consider your role and responsibility in helping to raise resilient kids. The book is Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. Certainly the primary place we expect and want this to happen is in the home, um, in the context of what's happening with their parents. But, you know, not every kid is living in that environment. And so I think as as, you know, as God's people in the world, we take an increasing level of responsibility for kids who, you know, maybe are not quote unquote our own. Mm, I really appreciate that. And that means that we can applaud their effort. You know, when we know that there's a child in our church or in our neighborhood who has worked very hard to accomplish something, we need to reward that effort. We need to let them know that we think they were very smart to work hard to accomplish something because they're probably looking around thinking I'm stupid because it took me so long to figure this out. So if you know a kid has participated in youth group for the first time and they were brave to do so, acknowledge that, you know, don't, you know, shoot off the fireworks and let everybody know, you know, they probably don't want that, but let them know and, and celebrate that they ask for help. That's a key element of being resilient is we look around to see who knows more than we do and we ask for help. And so if a child is asking for help and our first response is, you know, why weren't you listening the first time? And maybe they weren't listening, but if that's our first response, then they're not going to probably be brave to ask us for help again. And now they're at the, you know, they have no resources. And then they, they succumb to the negativity within their own spirit, and it's not good. It makes me so sad. Mm. Um, we're talking with Kathy Cook. Uh, she is a, um, it's a professor in educational psychology. Uh, she served at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Um, so, um, Kathy, talk with us about CelebrateKids.com. What are the resources available there for folks who are interested in connecting with you? Yeah, I appreciate that. Celebrate Kids is the name of my ministry. We're 31 years old. I've written six books with Moody Publishers, so they're at the website. We also have um, at 
our online store. We have um, other resources, other people's books and posters and different things that we've created to be a blessing to the family unit and to educators as well. We have blog posts. We have my podcast, which is linked there and people can, you know, figure that out. And um, we're still updating the website. We're looking forward to developing even more resources there. But we exist to help moms, dads and others celebrate their kids for who they are and not just for what they do. All right. Uh, one of the stories Kathy tells in her book is disgustingly beautiful. It's about watching the birth of a baby giraffe and um, mm. and the struggle that the mama allows that baby to endure. If you have ever incubated um, chicken eggs and thought to yourself, I need to help that baby get out of that shell, um, this next conversation is just for you. We're talking about resilience and we're talking about resilient kids. That's the name of the book. Dr. Kathy Cook and I will be right back. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. I want to wake up, I want to restart, put the drum beat back in my heart. I need to be revived, bring me back to life. We're talking about uh, cultivating the ability and even the character trait of bouncing back. The book is Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. Dr. Kathy Cook is uh, is the author, also the founder of Celebrate Kids. You can find her and all the resources we're talking about today at CelebrateKids.com. Um, take us to your, you know, this disgustingly beautiful story um, of watching the birth of this giraffe and why we're talking about it in relationship to cultivating resilience in our kids. Right. Yeah. I was in uh, Senegal, West Africa. It was an amazing, no, Niger, Africa. It was an amazing experience. About 10 minutes after the baby dropped, we were able to um, quietly enter into the mother's space. And there was this very gigantic mom staring down at this brand new baby giraffe. And it was, the neck was like spaghetti. Every time the baby would try to raise the neck, you know, get about maybe a 90-degree angle and then flip over, flop over to the other side. And it was hysterical to watch. The baby knew that it needed to raise its neck and stand so it could nurse. So it's just fascinating how God created this baby. But the mother, who, you know, could have bent down and used, you know, her head to, to support the baby and lift her up, she knew intuitively, you know, I can't help because this baby needs to get strong on her own. And it was just beautiful to watch. Every once in a while, she would bend down and, and, and lick the baby, uh, but then she would, she would go away again and I'll put her head go, you know, many, many feet above the baby. And it just, we, that's what we need to do. We need to watch our children. We need to be available to them if they're in desperate need of help. And we need to, you know, smile. You know, you can do it. You can do it would be the attitude. That was the attitude of this large giraffe, of course. And that's what moms and dads and others need to do. Not enter in and rescue a child prematurely. Because if you rescue a child from something that's too hard, prematurely, they'll feel like you don't think they can do it. It's, it's not a good feeling for the child. It certainly is the opposite of competence. So we, we're available. We smile. We step back. You can do it as our attitude. And when they succeed, when they succeed, then, of course, we acknowledge that they've you know, done something really well, and we congratulate them and we encourage them to go to the next step. 
Yeah, I love that. Talk with us about spiritual resilience. Um, you you mm. indicate in the book this might be the most important resilience of all, indicating, first of all, that there are several kinds of resilience. Um, mm. But talk with us about spiritual resilience in, in particular and how that's cultivated. I appreciate you bringing that up. It concerns me, and I'm sure it does you as well, how many people are dropping out of church and dropping out of faith because they're not getting from God what they think they deserve, or there are other reasons, of course, as well. So let's make sure our kids know the whole of God so they have a lot to rely on. You know, if they only think that God is faithful, and then for for whatever reason they feel like He has not been faithful to them that day, they might quickly give up. But if they also know other names and attributes of God and Jesus, then they have more to rely on on those hard days. I think that's super important. We need to teach kids that God answers prayers. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. And no doesn't mean that he's abandoned us or doesn't love us. I mean, most adults would testify that we've gotten a no that was actually a very good yes, and we can teach our children to expect that kind of thing. And we also need to help them understand um, that we don't always have mountaintop experiences when we're with God. Does that make sense? You know, if we Mm -hmm. always model, you know, we always model that, you know, every time we worship, this is amazing, or every time we open the Bible, it's this brilliant truth. Well, sometimes that happens, right, Carmen? And we're grateful to God when it does, but it doesn't always happen. I can go to church and there isn't a song we sing that necessarily um, was, you know, meaningful to me. That's okay. I'm not a bad Christian or a bad person when that happens. If we only model, we have those mountaintop experiences, then when kids don't have one, they're going to think that God loves them less or they've done something wrong, that God would not be speaking clearly to them. So I think it's important that we model reality in our prayer life and reality in our worship, reality in the reading of our word, because we don't give up when we have days on end, when we maybe don't hear the answer that we want. Let's teach that to our kids. So throughout this, um, Kathy, one of the things that you have consistently been saying um, leads me to the word conversation. You, You have consistently throughout our conversation pointed to the kinds of things that we say to children the conversations that you would like to see us having with children. So talk about the importance of conversation in building resiliency. Yeah, interesting, because I think there's what, two chapters in the book about yep. conversation. That, that's how important it is. And I really, when I started out writing the book, that wasn't what I thought would happen. But the more I did the research, the more that it was very clear. We need to be clear and direct and honest with our kids. If something is hard, we need to tell them it is. If something's easy, you know, it's okay to tell them it is. Um, when they, again, when they do something well, we need to affirm them. Um, we need to be, we need to be uh, aware of their I am language. And what's interesting, you think about it, what they say out loud, they probably thought inside themselves. So if you hear them say, man, I'm so stupid, or I'll never get this right, or I am whatever, lazy, or I am careless, or I am just clueless, those are thoughts they've been having inside their head. And you don't want them to have thoughts that are untrue of them. So you need to correct their thinking very boldly. What do you mean you're clueless? Talk to me about that. What, what does that mean to you? Well, I got it wrong again. I practiced and I got it wrong again. Well, you're not clueless. Maybe it's just very difficult. Maybe it's unique. And maybe you just need to work even a little bit harder or smarter. How can I help you do that? So I think that's an important principle. Um, I think we need to maybe go step into their space to talk with them, to let them be honest with us. In the dark, kids love talking in the dark because they don't have to make eye contact with us. If they're going to hurt us, they don't like to see our faces. Um, Maybe going for a walk because you don't have to make eye contact with them when you're going for a walk. And a lot of children of all ages tell me that it's easier for them to ask for help or admit failure and and seek the help of an adult when they don't have to make eye contact, even though a lot of us grew up thinking it was the way that you showed respect. It's not always necessary. 
Um, so those are some of my suggestions. You know, I could honestly go on and on. It's being available, putting our phones down, prioritizing our children. Like you said, as a grandmom, you have more time available. But let's all look for the time that we have and just sit and just sit and wait for them to start talking and then be a really good listener. Okay, so when you just, I mean, like a little light bulb just came on in my head. Hmm. When you when you like talk about talking with kids in the dark um, mm. Or, you know, side by side, you know, I have always thought that it's much easier to have a conversation with a kid in the car because you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're both facing the same direction, but you're not looking right. at each other like this. Mm-hmm. No eye contact thing is really good. And then I'm thinking yeah. about all the times I have said, look at me. like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And that yeah. that's obviously a, a, a parenting failure. Um, but well, no, um, no, 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 you did the best you knew how to do in it, the moment. And there are, yeah, there are some I'm times, learning. I mean, there are some times when they probably do need to look at you. But if you are asking your kids to be vulnerable and transparent and you want to have a meaningful conversation that goes in a little bit more detail, then it, it is easier to do in the dark. That's interesting. It is. Well, and what the light bulb that came on for me, Kathy, when you were saying that is maybe that's the genius of the confessional booth. Ah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, like, right? you're not making yeah. eye contact. You're literally like there's like literally a wall between you and you are yeah. expected to, you know, like share the things that are on your heart, like to confess those things. But somehow, you know, they figured out that's easier to do if you're not requiring that a person look you in the face when they share it. Anyway, I don't know. There might be a little genius to the uh, to the methodology, even if I'm not necessarily supportive of that as a <clears throat> as a, a particular practice of. Yeah. Anyway, I think we can all confess uh, directly to the Lord, but it is good to confess to one another as well and get the help um, that one another, you know, that we can offer one another in in Jesus Christ. This fellow, um, this this idea that I'm not raising children or raising kids, but I'm raising adults um, was another really uh, profound um, learning for me. The book is Resilient Kids, Raising Them to Embrace Life with Confidence. Uh, Kathy Cook is the author. She's also the founder of Celebrate Kids. You can find Kathy, tons of great resources, connect with her on her podcast, and check out the book, CelebrateKids.com. Kathy, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you'll come back. I would love to come back. Thank you for your support. Absolutely. It's a real delight. That's Kathy Cook. Um, You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, let's see. One other thing going on today that maybe you're going to want to know about. Today's the day. <laughs> it only matters. I mean, like, well, I mean, today matters for lots of reasons. But today's the day. If you've been waiting for the day that you could buy over-the-counter hearing aids, that's today. Yep, you don't have to get a prescription, and you don't have to wait for a custom fitting. Apparently, today's the day that adults with mild to moderate hearing loss could now buy hearing aids directly from stores and online at a much lower price than um, they've been available uh, to this point. So there you go. Um, if you've been having a hard time hearing me, mm-hmm, then yeah, today's the day. You could go get over-the-counter hearing aids. I actually thought this would be a great ministry opportunity. You and I, there's no question that we know people who are having um, a hard time hearing. They're having a hard time hearing at church, or they're having a hard time hearing at uh, at Bible study, or when we get together, you know, as a small group. This is a great day to, like, gift them with... Um, you know, with a gift certificate to one of these stores that are selling 
over-the-counter hearing aids. So there you go. There's a ministry opportunity for you. If you're not the person who needs a hearing aid, maybe today you could help others hear because after all, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right, so let's be the people who get out there today into the world that God so loves and represent Jesus in ways that are really honoring to God. Let's be the true ambassadors of the king and the kingdom in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Thank you so much for this time together this morning. I just love it. Um, I value all the interaction interaction on the text line. And yes, I'll be praying for those of you who lifted up prayers um, there today as well. Hey, have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.